Talking Back. I'm your host, Dr. Paula Sperry. For the next half hour, I invite you to join me as we explore health issues in the news and learn from those involved in keeping our community healthy. Our goal is not to diagnose or to suggest treatment, but to celebrate your body's innate potential to heal itself. My name is Dr. Paula Sperry, and I'm bringing you Issues in the News on Talking Back today. To get started, we're going to talk about a plan for Kenya about banning plastic bags. Apparently, Kenya has been the leader in ending the use of plastic bags around the world, but it's backfired with a startling crash. Smuggled, single-use bags have turned into a booming black market. How such a lofty goal turned into a plastic bag trash nightmare of epic, impossible proportion is a tale that extends from the environment to local wildlife and livestock to governments that promise action but look the other way when smugglers show up. Some think the problem has grown so large there's nothing much more that anyone can do. This from NPR reported August 9th, 2023. Today, we're going to find some good news about walking in your health, explore saturated fat benefits, and talk about GMO vaccines being used in organic livestock, and the United States Department of Energy's regulation of gas appliances. The number of steps you should walk every day to start seeing benefits to your health is less than previously thought according to the newest and largest analysis on the topic. A sedentary lifestyle may contribute to an increase in cardiovascular disease and shorten your life. Insufficient physical activity affects more than a quarter of the world's population, more women than men, 32% versus 23%, and people in higher income countries compared to low income countries do not undertake a sufficient amount of physical activity. According to the World Health Organization data, insufficient physical activity is the fourth most frequent cause of death in the world, accounting for 3.2 million deaths every year. COVID-19 shutdowns largely contributed to a reduction in physical activity, and activity levels have not recovered two years later. A study published in the European Journal of Preventative Cardiology found that walking at least 3,967 steps a day started to reduce the risk of dying from any cause, and 2,337 steps a day reduced the risk of dying from diseases of the heart and blood vessels. 226,899 people from 17 different studies around the world has shown that the more you walk, the greater your health benefits. An increase of 1,000 steps a day was associated with a 15% reduction in the risk of dying from any cause, and increasing your steps to 500 a day is associated with a 7% reduction in dying from cardiovascular disease. The research from Poland and John Hopkins University found that even if people walked as many as 20,000 steps a day, 
the health benefits continued to increase. They have not found an upper limit. It seems the more you walk, the better, and this applies to both men and women, irrespective of age, and whether or not you live in a temperate, subtropical, or subpolar region of the world, or a region with mixed temperatures and climates. This meta-analysis is the first not only to address the effect of walking on up to 20,000 steps a day, but also to look at whether there are any differences depending on age, sex, or where in the world people live. The studies analyzed by the researchers included participants from a median of seven years and the average age was 64, 49% of the participants were female. In people aged 60 years or older, the size of the reduction in risk of death was smaller than those seen in people aged younger than 60 years. So perhaps before considering pharmacological treatment, we should first think about looking into some lifestyle changes, walking for example. For references and more information on this topic, you can visit www.escardio.org. Are saturated fats good for us or not so good for us? For half a century, health agencies and experts have promoted vegetable oils over saturated fats, usually from meat, for cooking. We've been told that vegetable oils protect our heart. However, research suggests otherwise. Saturated fat has historically been associated with high blood cholesterol level and heart disease. But compared to polyunsaturated fats, these saturated fats are more stable when exposed to heat and air and won't become chemically unstable and decompose into dangerous compounds if used in cooking. And depending upon their smoke point, we can determine how they should be used in our healthy diet. Here's a list of vegetable and animal oils exploited because of their saturated fat content, which now is being seen as actually healthy. We'll start with coconut oil. It's obtained from the fruit of the coconut and around 90% of it is saturated fat. This fat is generally considered less stable for cooking despite its high saturated fat content because most coconut oils being short to medium chain fatty acids are less stable than longer chained saturated fatty acids. As a result, unrefined coconut oil tend to have a lower smoke point of around 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Refined coconut oil has a higher smoking point of 400 to 450 degrees Fahrenheit. This makes it more suitable for high heat cooking. Unfortunately, the refining process removes its flavor, aroma, vitamins, and antioxidant potentials. You should use coconut oil for low heat cooking. It's also preferable for baking. A good thing about coconut oil is that almost half of its fat content is lauric acid, a saturated fat known for its antimicrobial properties. Personally, I like to use coconut oil whenever frying fish. It just so much adds to the flavor. And also, using it in brownies is a good idea if you eat them. Palm oil. It's from the fruit of the palm tree, and this oil is known for its stability. Approximately 50% of palm oil is saturated fat, 
with an additional 40% being monounsaturated fat. Virgin or unrefined palm oil has a smoking point of 455 degrees Fahrenheit and derives its deep red or orange color and carrot-like flavor from the palm fruit's abundant beta-carotene content. Refined palm oil is tasteless and appears white. Palm oil's smooth, buttery texture makes it a popular choice for baking, and it serves as a rich source of tocotrienols, the most potent form of vitamin E. Palm oil is commonly used as a low-cost fat in processed foods due to its tarnished reputation. Palm kernel oil extracted from the seed rather than the fruit is often seen on labels and used to prolong the shelf life of processed food. With approximately 80% saturated fat content, palm kernel oil is very stable for commercial cooking and frying. It is good to know that palm oil contains more health-giving antioxidants than does palm kernel oil. The direct health implications of high saturated fat content in palm oils remains a subject of ongoing debate. Some studies suggest that consuming palm oil may ironically have cardioprotective effects. The healthiness or otherwise of a processed food is usually determined by the degree of processing it has undergone, as well as the addition of other ingredients such as preservatives, flavors, sugars, salts, and fats, and not simply the addition of palm and palm kernel oils says Professor Lawrence Boteng, a registered dietitian from the University of Ghana. She added that unrefined red palm oil has been a staple in many developing countries for ages, suggesting that the current surge in chronic diseases might be more attributable to the westernization of their diet rather than the consumption of this tropical oil and the demonization of it. I like to put palm kernel oil or palm oil, which is a red hard oil at room temperature, mixed with coconut oil and cook popcorn in it. I'm telling you, it tastes just like the stuff we used to get and probably is just like the stuff we used to get at the movie theaters way back in the day. Give it a try. Two really good for you oils that have been demonized. Now let's move on to butter. Butter is now acknowledged as a nutritious food especially from pasture-raised animals. It's rich in essential vitamins such as vitamin A, E, D, B12, and K2. Butter contains beneficial amounts of sodium, calcium, and phosphorus. Butter also contains butyric acid. It also supports your gut health, prevents inflammatory gut diseases, and alleviates constipation. Unfortunately, though, butter has a very low smoking point of 350 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's only suitable for low to medium heat cooking and baking. For high heat cooking, however, you can clarify butter by heating it up and taking the clear part off the top. That's called ghee, and that's recommended for higher heat cooking because ghee has a higher smoking point of 482 degrees Fahrenheit, and people who are lactose intolerant can also use ghee for cooking as that clarification process removes dairy proteins and sugars, including the lactose. Tallow is derived from beef or lamb fat and boasts a very high smoking point of 400 degrees Fahrenheit, although some experts say it's even higher. This makes it ideal for medium to high heat cooking. Organic pasture-raised tallow 
also has a beneficial omega-3 to omega-6 ratio of about 1 to 2. Be aware, though, that tallow from grain-fed ruminants may have a higher omega-6 content. Tallow's abundance of saturated and monounsaturated fats helps to protect against omega-3 fatty acid degeneration that may occur during cooking. Tallow is a great source of essential omega-6 fatty acids the body uses to produce endocannabinoids, neurotransmitters essential for reducing anxiety. These are also found in cannabis. Additionally, pasture-raised tallow is rich in fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, K1, and B1. And if you remember how good French fries were back in the day, maybe back when McDonald's restaurants were first starting up, they tasted good because they were cooked in tallow, which was later demonized as a saturated fat. And unfortunately, polyunsaturated corn oils, soy oils, cottonseed oils, and canola oils have replaced tallow in the cooking of fries at places like fast food restaurants. And we're not really sure if that's so heart healthy these days. Now let's talk about refined versus unrefined oils. The health effects of the refinement process used in oils is still unclear and some doctors have expressed concerns over this process introducing toxins into our bodies. But most research has focused on the polyunsaturated vegetable oil like canola and soybean rather than the saturated fat. Vegetable oils are typically deodorized to remove rancid scents. This also leads to the formation of transunsaturated fats, which are considered the most harmful fats to consume, as well as glycidol, which is known, a known carcinogen. Animal fats primarily consist of saturated fat. Vegetable and animal oils rich in polyunsaturated fats, such as sunflower, flaxseed, and fish oil, may not be the best options for cooking due to their vulnerability to oxidation. However, these oils can still be used if they're fresh in things such as salad dressing and spreads. Flaxseed oil, for example, contains essential omega-3 fatty acids making up to around 39 to 60% of its composition. Sesame oil is a very versatile one. Traditional sesame oils are derived from roasted sesame seeds and have a long history in cooking in Asian cuisine. The roasting process unlocks the unique sesame antioxidants, which also extends the oil's shelf life. Vegetable oils rich in monounsaturated fats, such as olive and avocado, are commonly recommended for low heat cooking. However, there's an ongoing debate about their suitability for high heat cooking and frying. Some studies suggest that extra virgin olive oil and avocado oils are less stable, while others indicate that they are most stable and oxidation resistant. So who knows, more research certainly does need to be done. Olive oil has a historical culinary significance while avocado oil emerged more recently in New Zealand in the early 2000s. Despite their high smoke points, both oils, especially with their high monounsaturated fat content, are more prone to oxidation than animal and vegetable oils rich in saturated fats. So use them quickly. So why consider using the demonized saturated fats in cooking and baking? 
While research indicates that some vegetable oil's instability during oxidation can lead to inflammation and the formation of cancer-causing byproducts such as aldehydes. For decades, we've been told to eat less cholesterol and saturated fat because it can cause or contribute to heart disease. Recently, however, these recommendations have been thrown out the window by some experts and the real culprit, carbohydrates, are being tossed to the lions. So are cholesterol and saturated fats your friends, while whole grain bagels and organic quinoa salad your enemy? A growing number of studies, including a March 2014 meta-analysis of 76 reports, have indicated that people who ate higher amounts of saturated fat did not experience more heart disease than individuals who ate less of this fat. They've also suggested that reducing your saturated fat and keeping your cholesterol levels low, less meaning around 180 milligrams per deciliter, do not help prevent heart disease and obesity. In fact, according to a 2013 study published in the British Medical Journal, lowering these two figures can actually raise your risk for both conditions. This and other research findings were fodder for a recently published book called The Big Fat Surprise, Why Butter, Meat, and Cheese Belong in Your Healthy Diet. When saturated fat is replaced with more carbohydrates, especially refined white flour and sugar carbs, you're supporting insulin resistance by raising your triglyceride levels, lowering good cholesterol, which is known as high-density lipoprotein, or HDL, and encouraging obesity, according to the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Another well-known study that focused on cholesterol and heart disease is the Framingham Heart Study, which started in 1948 and has continued to this day. A little-known fact about the findings of the study is that more saturated fat and cholesterol people consumed, the lower their cholesterol level was. Since three-quarters of your cholesterol is produced by your liver, which is influenced by insulin levels, it just makes sense that you would want to manage your refined carbohydrate intake and keep your insulin levels under control that way. Not all saturated fatty acids are the same. In fact, there are three main types, short, medium, and long-chained fatty acids. Short-chain fatty acids, which are found in dairy products from pasture-fed animals, have anti-inflammatory properties. They also support and nurture gut health. Medium-chain fat are found in palm and coconut oil and butter. They have demonstrated some ability to help with improving body composition, boosting productivity, and possibly improving insulin sensitivity and cognition. Now, long-chained fatty acids can contribute to heart disease. Trouble is, the long-chained fatty acids are consumed a lot. Increase LDL, which is your low-density lipoprotein, also known as bad cholesterol, which is linked to cardiovascular disease and metabolic syndrome. Dr. Mike Hart has noted that the sources of long-chained fatty acids that should be avoided come from processed food and factory farmed meat. And this article was originally published by Andrea Donsky, and you can find her on www.naturallysavvy.com.
agribusiness watchdog Organic Eye demanded the U.S. Department of Agriculture hold a public hearing or face litigation on the use of using mRNA and other genetically engineered vaccines in organic livestock production. The use of such genetically modified products violates the legal definition of organic, the group says. The request comes after reports that the USDA and some other organic certifiers have quietly looked the other way as commercial livestock producers have begun using genetically engineered vaccines in animals producing organic certified meat, eggs, and dairy products. One of the most important differences between conventional and organic food is the organic label's strict prohibition on genetically modified ingredients. This is laid out by the Organic Foods Production Act of 1990. Organic Eye said that rather than enforce this rule, the USDA has sanctioned a don't ask, don't tell protocol, and it's pushed by Big Agra that allows producers to administer genetically engineered vaccines to animals and still label them organic. This issue is urgent, according to Mark Castell, executive director of the Wisconsin-based Organic Eye. Because of the imminent use of mRNA vaccines in livestock, which are currently being developed with massive funding by our government and industry, mRNA technology, similar to that used by Pfizer and Moderna, to produce their respective versions of the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, Castle said. There is a continuing controversy in our country concerning this new technology, and we should work to preserve organic as the last safe haven for eaters who want to secure a truly natural diet, he says. It's unacceptable, the nonprofit stated, for the USDA to kick the can down the road on this highly controversial issue. Organic Eye is calling on the USDA's National Organic Standards Board to convene a meeting of all stakeholders, not only with industry interests who want these vaccines, but also with people who have a concern, whether they're farmers that don't need them and feel that they're being competitively injured by competing against these livestock factories, or whether they're consumers who have a general concern about genetic engineering in their food supply. They have a right to be heard, he said. The United States Department of Energy, the DOE, is receiving criticism for its updated data analysis regarding the agency's proposed regulations on gas stoves. The new data shows that savings are even less than the DOE had originally projected and are almost negligible. DOE's original proposal was to save consumers 13 cents per month in utility costs over the life of gas cooking products. The revised data reduces consumer savings to just $0.09 cents a month, it points out. The changes in energy savings projected by the DOE primarily result from recognizing that the current available cooking products are more efficient than its earlier analysis assumed. American gas utilities are lobbying support for bills to keep gas stoves, but as the Biden administration recommends their elimination for climate change purposes. Natural gas companies are gathering their political allies in Congress to ward off any attempts 
to have gas stove use be curtailed, according to federal records. Gas utility companies fear that gas stove bans are the start of a broader phase-out of natural gas as climate change activists aim to electrify more of our energy system. About 69% of Americans say they are against government bans on gas stoves, according to a June poll conducted by the Harvard Center for American Political Studies and Harris. The controversy exploded in January after the White House said it was mulling a nationwide ban on gas stoves, citing a report linking its use to asthma and other health risks in the home. A top official at the Consumer Product Safety Commission suggested that a national ban on gas stoves could curb air pollution, but that statement was denied by the agency's head. The backlash grew even further after the Department of Energy introduced new regulations in February that would impose harsher energy efficiency standards on new gas stove models by 2027. It's interesting, however, that the Energy Department insisted it had no plans to ban gas stoves, calling the accusations absurd. Gas stoves account for less than 1% of the natural gas consumption in the United States, and more than 47 million, or 38% of households, now cook with gas, according to the Energy Information Administration. American families used 88.3 billion cubic feet of gas to cook in their homes in 2020, only 0.3% of that year's total gas consumption of 30.5 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. As the Save Our Gas Stoves Act, which passed the House 249 to 181 in July. At least 29 Democrats joined with the 220 Republicans to support that act. Legislation which was sponsored by Representative Debbie Lesko prohibits the Energy Secretary from finalizing, implementing, or enforcing the imposed rule titled Energy Conservation Program, Energy Conservation Standards for Consumer Conventional Cooking Products, which would force most current models off the market. The Energy Department would also be blocked from introducing standards that would, quote, result in the prohibition of kitchen range or stove based on the type of fuel it uses, including gas stoves, unquote. The House also passed the Gas Stove Protection and Freedom Act by a vote of 240 to 180, which prevents federal funds from being used to regulate gas stoves as banned hazardous products under the Consumer Product Safety Act. According to Representative Dan Newhouse, gas stoves are an integral part of how food is prepared by nearly 187 million Americans valued for their affordability and reliability, especially in a power outage. This transition to more expensive alternatives would impose significant financial strains on our American households. Homes equipped with natural gas appliances save families up to $1,068 annually compared to their all-electric counterparts, he said. Well, thank you for tuning in to Talking Back today. 
I'm Dr. Paula Sperry, and I love to get our recent issues in the news out of the radio and into your ear. Music in the background was by Banco de Gaia, and our intro and outro music by Wally Batterell. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week on Talking Back. Thank you for tuning into Talking Back. Talking Back is heard on WOMR Radio at 92.1 FM at this time each week. If you have news or comments to share, or you would like to be a guest on Talking Back, write, call, or email this station care of Dr. Paula Sperry, WOMR FM Radio, Post Office Box 975. Provincetown, Massachusetts, 02657. Or you can give us a call. We're at 508-487-2619 or 1-800-921-9667. We're also at www.womr.org online. Tune in next week. And until we meet again, please remember to love your body.